Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics the nfl trudges on as it gets closer and closer to the end of its regular season college football changes its rules and regulations on the fly sometimes to appease specific schools and universities in some cases but we are getting closer and closer to that end of regular season as well There's talks in the National Basketball Association and things continue to happen with that. And we continue to do a sports show during a pandemic on a night where more people died from COVID-19 than died in 9-11. So just to keep things in perspective to the listeners of where we sit with this show and where the country sits in the world, we press on and try to make everyone forget about that for at least 50 minutes to an hour each week and we'll continue to do so as well. We again waited one more day to record this so we could talk about your Baltimore Ravens and thankfully a better tone this week than last because they looked good. Granted it was against the Dallas Cowboys, but a win is a win, a must needed win at that some highs, some lows, an incredible running game. And here come your Baltimore Ravens. So thank goodness We don't have to get you off on the right foot to start the show like we did last week. The Baltimore Ravens did what they needed to do. They covered for America, and we continue moving forward with them trying to reach the postseason, and as mentioned, us trying to reach the end of the regular season in the National Football League. Well, Johnny, we say hello to all our friends and fans, and 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 let's, let's also make sure that they're aware that your inquiry yesterday afternoon was will the Ravens cover and shockingly, but most appropriately when I had not a penny on the line, I was correct when I told you to lay the nine and a half. Yes. Was 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 that your number? By the skin of our teeth, the nine and a half, by the way, who played a, a sound game, not a great game, uh, but beat a hideous. And I mean, hideous. Dallas Cowboy teams, a defense that could not stop a strong win. Uh, The Ravens ran all over them. Lamar Jackson looked the way he usually looks throwing the football. Some ups, a lot of downs. Aaron throws, inaccurate throws, even a touchdown pass that the the wide receiver had to reach back and up and behind him. Uh, when It was wide, wide, wide open. Uh, But nonetheless, the Ravens prevailed. Uh, They now have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL the remainder of the season. But a huge Monday night cam coming, the old Browns against the new Browns, kind of like the new report, the old report, Ravens-Browns. This coming 
Monday night with the Ravens at seven and five. After that Browns game, in no particular order, the Bengals, the Giants, and the Jags. So the Ravens are going to have to get to ten and six. Worst case scenario, uh, and this will be a great test for the Browns. The uh, no Odell Beckham, uh, no problem, no coincidence uh, for the Cleveland Browns. A terrific game from Shake and Bake, the one and only Baker Mayfield, as they rolled out to a mammoth early lead against one of the hottest teams in the league, the Tennessee Titans. And lo and behold, the Titans came charging back, made the game look a little closer. The final score indicated he got that last touchdown with about 25 seconds left. But remember, folks, the Ravens were ahead in this game by four touchdowns, 35-7, to seven, I believe, at one point. And to me, it is no coincidence whatsoever that the team has caught fire uh, once Odell Beckham was in, Odell Beckham Jr., excuse me, was injured and out with his ACL surgery. It really, to me, does to Baker Mayfield what it does to every quarterback that plays with him in the NFL. It gives him the freedom to throw the ball where he wants versus where the wide receiver wants. Uh, and then starts with his incessant bitching and moaning and becomes a cancer on the club. Now the ball is being spread around. They're running the ball. They're throwing the ball. It's a different Baker Mayfield. It's a more accurate Baker Mayfield. It's a more competent Baker Mayfield. All the receivers are involved. They can run the ball tremendously well with an excellent one-two punch you know, in the backfield. And Ravens-Browns has the makings of a terrific game Monday night, and that would be a mammoth win for either team, but a true statement game for the Browns because, remember, the first game of the season, they were pasted by the Ravens. So uh, this come up and could be a comeuppance for them, and it could put them really in terrific stead. And, and – on the heels of the Steelers who play the Bills and a Steeler team that did not look all that strong in their loss this past week, not weekend, uh, in their delayed game against the Washington football team. Uh, we talked about the fact that the Steelers have been looking, I don't want to say weaker, but not nearly as strong in the last few weeks. Uh, didn't play well at all against a Browns team that was eaten alive, no pun intended, by the COVID virus. Didn't play well at all against the Redskins, blowing a 14-0 lead, and no running game to speak of. Literally, I mean, they threw the ball three times as many times as they ran it. And that is not a recipe for success uh, with a very old, immobile quarterback. And a defense now that has lost its star rookie linebacker, its star outside linebacker to knee injuries, and is now looking ripe for the Bills and who knows who else. Uh, because to me right now, and I, I would love to hear what you have to say about this, to me the top teams in the AFC, uh, obviously there's a cl- Clear separation between Kansas City and everybody else. But in terms of the caliber of play of the teams in the AFC, the two other teams in the AFC to be playing the best right now, and their records reflected, are the Buffalo Bills and don't look now, the Cleveland Browns. 
surprisingly, I would agree with that. We mentioned on the show previously for the past couple weeks now how fraudulent is too strong of a word because you win 11 consecutive football games in a row and then call a team fraudulent. You're kind of a fraud in yourself. But we've mentioned that the Steelers weren't what their record showed they were. They have flaws now because of injury and because of an interesting game plan, as you mentioned, where they're having Ben Roethlisberger throwing the football more than 50 times a game. Ben Roethlisberger, who had to miss last season because his elbow needed surgery and had to be reconstructed, coming back to football and being asked to throw more than 50 times a game. That, I don't believe, is going to be the recipe for success for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it showed. They need to establish a running game so he's not throwing the ball 50-plus times. You never want your quarterback throwing 50-plus times. It doesn't matter who it is. The stats always say, well, when such-and-such has to throw more than 50 times, X team is usually awful when it has to happen because you need a balanced offense. You can get away with it once in a while, but if that's going to be your game plan every week, that's not what you're looking for. And they're in a lot of trouble if they can't establish the run. And if the defense shows those holes, as you mentioned, because of injuries, they're going to have to get hot at the right time. And this might be the point of the season where we've seen with other teams You start out hot, you're great in the middle of the season, but injuries and such start having you hit that peak and then go down from it. And that's not what you want at all, especially in a year like this one where we don't know what's going to happen week to week. So there's definitely red flags with the Steelers. Shockingly for the Cleveland Browns, there are more positives to speak of than negatives. I didn't see this coming with losing Odell Beckham Jr. You would think they would have had to have a full strength of staff on the offense and have everything click, something we've been waiting for since Odell came over. And he goes down, and before you know it, Nick Chubb's running 200 yards per game. Jarvis Landry is catching everything thrown to him. Baker Mayfield builds these quick early leads, and the game is out of reach. These are the Cleveland Browns, the nine and three Cleveland Browns 2020. You've done it to us again to make the joke as many people have been making. It's been incredible to see, although we have to pause slightly and see whether they can keep this up. And it'll be the same thing with the Buffalo Bills because we haven't seen them obviously make a deep run into the postseason. Can Josh Allen perform this way in the big games? But what you can say for both those teams that you haven't been able to say in years is the optimism has to be through the roof. I mean, as you mentioned, they're looking around the AFC going, obviously there's Kansas City, but then there's us. And there's only a couple weeks left of the season. The way you have to approach it is you don't have to beat Kansas City three times. You don't have to beat them four out of seven or three out of five. If you play them, you only got to beat them once. And, and both of these teams now have developed a personality on the offensive side of the ball where they are led by quarterbacks that came out in the same draft. Uh, obviously, Mayfield, the first pick. Allen thought of as arguably the most physically gifted of the group who the Bills chose to pick with a, a limited NCAA resume in terms of 
strength of opponent playing at Wyoming, but thought of to be incredibly gifted in terms of arm strength, physicality, mobility, strength, can throw the ball a mile, sometimes no idea where it's going. We saw last year in the playoffs, his immaturity hurt them badly when they got out to a big lead and uh, he made some terrible decisions. But that's what you're going to have with a young quarterback. That's what you're going to do. There are growing pains. But the point is, are they growing? They call them growing pains because you do things that unfortunately are disadvantageous while you are growing, which means if you're growing, you're supposed to be getting better. He is getting better. They are getting better. They went to the playoffs last year. They're going to go to the playoffs again. Baker Mayfield is growing. They struggled last year. To me, no coincidence. Why? Well, they had hit his coach. Huge mistake on my part. I thought they wouldn't miss a beat with him. I was dead wrong. He did a terrible job. And obviously, they brought in the cancer in Odell Beckham Jr., who is a huge negative wherever he goes. He's a negative with the Giants. been a negative with the Browns. He won't be back next year with the Browns. I guarantee it. Mark the tape. Uh, not that that's any big surprise. Jarvis Landry always catches anything you throw to him. And they have a two-pronged running attack with Nick Chubb, who, remember, was second in the league in rushing last year behind the big fellow from Tennessee. And the very fresh Kareem Hunt off of his off-the-field issues. And it is now an offense strike in a number of ways. And Mayfield is becoming a terrific medium-range controlled game passer, complemented by the running game, can go downfield at times, but not that often. You know, they're not going to bombard you to death like the Mad Bomber in Kansas City because they really don't have that super mercurial player in the speedster that Kansas City has because you thought Beckham was going to be that. He wasn't. But you, you never hear anything from Kansas City, do you? You ever hear anything from Hill about I don't get the ball enough? about Kelsey, I don't get the ball enough. about Sammy Watkins, I don't get the ball enough. Sometimes, as great as you are athletically and, and physically and on the field, you do have to rein in the ego. Do those guys ever win rings? Do those guys who bitch and moan about not getting the ball enough ever win rings? Michael Irvin had a huge ego. He talked a lot, but he didn't bitch about the fact he didn't get the ball enough. Because Michael Irvin knew they had Emmett Smith. They had Alvin Harper. They had Jay Novacek. They had people who were other big-time weapons from their respective positions who brought different things to the table. Harper was the speed burner. Novacek was the possession receiving tight end. Emmett Smith was an all-time running back and a quarterback who distributed the football. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying in any way, shape, or form that Baker Mayfield is Troy Aikman. But Baker Mayfield in college at Oklahoma in a high-powered offense distributed the football. Remember, one of his leading receivers was Mark Andrews, the wide receiver for the Ravens. Marquise Downtown Brown, wide receiver for the Ravens. And others. He knows how to spread the wealth versus having to concentrate on one guy and have that guy bitch and moan about not getting the ball on he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He looks like a different quarterback. They also have a absolute game record in defense, you know, defensive end. Their first round draft pick, uh, top of the charts draft pick from a couple of years ago, who is now back 
and healthy and a awesome pass rusher who can wreak havoc for another team's passing game. And they are developing a personality on both sides of the football. They are experiencing good, growing pains, as are the Buffalo Bills. And those right now, after the Kansas City Chiefs, who are absolutely, positively, admittedly, the gold standard in the AFC. But to me, those are the next best two teams. And I will say on a selfish side that I do believe if the Ravens get in and continue to get healthy from both injuries and the virus, they could be a pain in the ass for somebody. Don't get me wrong. They're not going to get completely healthy because, you know, Ronnie Stanley's not coming back. He's done for the season with that knee injury. But if they can find a way to get fully recovered from the virus and what's basically ripped the team apart in that regard and get to 10 and 6, even 11 and 5, which I doubt because I think the Browns will win this coming Monday night, but get to 10 and 6, they would be healthy in terms of the virus with everybody who is eligible to play, play, they could be a very difficult team for anyone in the AFC to deal with, even the Kansas City Chiefs, although the Chiefs have clearly been uh, their kryptonite. They have not competed against the Chiefs uh, this year. It was the only team they didn't compete against. Tough losses to Pittsburgh, tough loss to Tennessee, tough loss to New England, uh, all games that they easily could have won, a couple they should have won, uh, so they would be in a much better spot than they are right now. Uh, to me, the Bills and the Browns are developing clubs behind their young quarterbacks, and I think they're going to be for a long time to come. We move to the NFC, the conference that has befuddled us throughout the year. To me, right now, it is the Green Bay Packers it is the New Orleans Saints, despite the fact that Taysom Mill is playing quarterback. We know we won't be playing quarterback for long. To me, it's those two teams or bust. I do not believe any other team in the NFC can go to the Super Bowl. Your thoughts? I can't disagree with that at this point. <laughs> the theme of our show for the, since the start of the NFL season has been who do we trust? And it's been an incredibly difficult answer to bring to the table each week, aside from, as you mentioned, the Kansas city chiefs who you've just been able to fill in the box every week and move on in the AFC. It's, it, you know, look, they, it's hard. It, it's hard to keep winning. And you just to interrupt for a second, it doesn't matter. That's why, that's why I do give some credit to the Steelers. You know, it is hard in any major sport to keep winning, no matter what. Now, you know, in, in football, it's only once a week. You're not playing every other night, every night, like baseball, like the NBA, like hockey. You're playing, but still, to win every night, every game, every week, that is hard. Injuries this year. The virus, one great performance by a mediocre team, a good team, a really good team, one 
awful performance. One on any given Sunday, as I said in the movies. This is a team that is clearly the best team. Plain and simple. And even they're flawed. Absolutely. Which is the interesting part, too. That there's flaws on their defense that some teams are able to exploit. The Denver Broncos exploited some of their flaws, for Christ's sake. No doubt about it. It can be done. But But, overall, it's an easy answer. They are the team that continues to win. And when you watch them play, you are impressed because when you watch that offense at times, you wonder how they ever do get stopped because this quarterback is so good, has such escapability. The combination of escapability, arm strength, accuracy, and the style with which and attitude with which he plays the game is extraordinary. I had to get that in. Back to the NFC. Sorry. Well, for the Chiefs, too, it's almost like you just have to wait for them to screw up. Just play the long game, the end game, and wait for them to screw up. Wait for them to maybe get a little too cocky. You know, sometimes... Patrick Mahomes and the offense likes to go for the home run play all the time. And before you know it, after a couple incompletions, you're punting the football or the defense maybe doesn't shut down an opponent in the second half. They don't put their foot on the neck as people say in sports, put them away. They let other teams hang in there. And then if you have that mistake on offense, now all of a sudden their opponent has a chance to tie the game but they're a team that you never feel like is out of a game. No matter how much time is left, no matter where it is in the fourth quarter or what's happened previous to where the game stands, they have the ball on offense. You don't think they're out of the game. It's incredible every week to think, okay, there's only 16 seconds left and they have one timeout. Let's see if Patrick Mahomes and the offense can do it. And sometimes they do. It's been thrilling to watch as a fan of football. It's been frightening to watch as a fan of an AFC team as both myself and Al are. And as a team in the same division as the Kansas city chiefs, the Denver Broncos every week, you think Jesus, Mary and Joseph, we have more of a decade to deal with this. And drew lock is the quarterback, but we won't get on a tangent about that. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills he's al renato i'm john lunn we'll be right back with the new report old report here on sports radio america we welcome you back i'm john lunn he's al renato and this is the new report old report to the nfc and the team that i guess is the chiefs of that division as you mentioned has to be the saints and the packers from what their record shows from what they've showed At times, the Saints are in an interesting predicament, and I almost want to say it's similar to what happened to the Denver Broncos when they went on to win Super Bowl 50. Because lest we forget, Peyton Manning, Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning, 
was injured in that season and had to miss several games in favor of one Brock Osweiler. Is he still playing somewhere? He's probably getting a check knowing this league <laughs> as a second or third string backup. Good for him. Keep getting paid, Brock. The angular one. He was tall, so John Elway liked him. Come on, play for the Broncos. He beat the Patriots, though, so I mean, give him that. Tom Brady's Patriots at the time, folks. Peyton Manning gets injured, comes back in time for the postseason. Now, I was under the impression because of Peyton Manning's age and the way his body had slowly started to betray him that the time off was actually a good thing because it would limit the wear and tear he would get from the regular season. Now, granted, they went on to win the Super Bowl, so that sounds like a great point. I don't know how much it contributed to it, but I, I would argue it had to at least somewhat contribute to him not being as tired, not being as beaten down in the games that mattered the most. Drew Brees ain't getting any younger. And the narrative for Drew, if the Saints start playing poorly now, if he starts losing a couple games, immediately goes to his arm strength, how he looks in the pocket. He's old. He doesn't have it. He can't throw it down the field anymore. He's got to dump it off to Michael Thomas two yards away and have him do yards after the catch, hand it to Kamara, let him do stuff. But the Saints are playing well. Nobody mentions any of that. Even though this is going to be difficult for him to come back from, just from a human standpoint, I didn't realize how many ribs we had in the human body. He seemingly broke all of them in one swoop. And in reality, he broke, say, a third, <laughs> not even a half. We have a lot of ribs, folks, is what you learned from what happened to Drew Brees. It's going to take time to get back out onto the field in readiness to get hit in those 12 to 13 ribs that he broke. That, that, that's the key, but... you know. Remember the flak jacket. That's we true. Know he'll be wearing the one when the time vest. comes. He'll have one of those on. Yeah, I remember the day when I first saw a flak jacket. I believe it was Dan Pastorini, and they took a baseball bat and whacked him with the baseball bat. He couldn't feel a thing. Now look, it's only a baseball bat. It's not a two hundred eighty pound lineman going full speed, but you can't lower your helmet on the quarterback anymore. Uh, and they are much more protected than they were back then. But the point is. Uh, Painful injury, difficult to play with, difficult to throw with. And they are battling Green Bay for the one seed and that bye. So there is not really any room for them to take a week off, so to speak. Right. At, at least right now. That may change. I would say that despite a loss uh, here and there by the Packers, uh, Obviously, the Tampa Bay game was just, well, what we talked about before. You know, a team could just put up a stinker, and they put up a stinker. Um, I'm, I'm starting I'm starting to believe that Aaron Rodgers may pull this off. If they can stay healthy, which is a huge if, because you know with the Packers, they always seem to suffer – some debilitating injury somewhere along the line. Two or three linemen go down on the offensive side. Five defenders go down. Their defense always seems to get soft, and they're unable to stop a team in a big spot. He's playing amazing. He, To me, he has recaptured 
the title of the best quarterback in his conference. He's taken it back. Look, it's gone back and forth. Beginning of the year, we had Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, best quarterback alive. All of a sudden, Lamar Jackson, MVP, you know, battling for you know the number two spot. We had Patrick Mahomes with Russell Wilson, with Rodgers, with fill in the blank, Deshaun Watson. Uh, who's the best young quarterback? Who is the best quarterback? Russell Wilson gets off to an amazing start, an amazing first third of the season. 3,000 touchdowns and two interceptions, uh, you know, with his new group of wide receivers. Uh, phenomenal. He's the MVP. He's the MVP, plain and simple. But they play 16 games, not six. Russell Wilson has gone the other way. And I don't want to say to the point of Russell Wilson's not a great quarterback anymore, but we're not talking about Russell Wilson's MVP anymore. He's clearly the upper echelon of quarterbacks. He's still clearly a top five quarterback, but he's not the best quarterback right now. You still put that moniker on Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson's nowhere even in the discussion. He's become a mid-range quarterback. But in the meantime, look who's playing great. The guy who was always in the discussion of the top five or top six, but had dropped out of that top two or three. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is the number two quarterback in football. There is no doubt in my mind, and he is the king of his conference. He has wrested that back from Russell Wilson. He is playing terrific. He is spreading the football around. He is working wonderfully well with his second-year coach. And a lot more play action, a lot more rollouts, moving pockets. If you thought those were dead, the days of Lenny Dawson, look him up our back. Hank Stram, the innovator of the moving pocket. Look him up. Let's keep matriculating the ball out of the field, boys. And I will tell you that I am buying the Green Bay Packers right now. Going to the Super Bowl from the NFC. I'm glad you added right now. Because as we've been mentioning, this could change in a short week's time. But it's hard not to agree. Offensively, I said this early in the season that what happened with this past year's draft was going to mean the Aaron Rodgers FU tour for this season. And for the most part, he's delivered. He doesn't need a number one, a round one wide receiver. He doesn't need a second round wide receiver. He doesn't need any wide receivers that you know or care about. Just throw anybody out there and he'll make them look good, which he's done year after year. And he also happens to have one of the best wide receivers in the game, Devontae Adams. He's got a great running game. The offense sometimes, though, whether it's Aaron Rodgers himself or whether it's the coaching, the play calling, Perhaps Aaron Rodgers doing it, but then blaming the coaching and the play calling, which he's done in the past too. Sometimes if things aren't working out, sometimes they too get a little too cocky. They'll start a game with two or three drives where they go up and down the field. They're up three scores before you can blink. And you've never seen a better offense than the one that they put out. And by the fourth quarter, they're up by a field goal on a fourth down punt into the other team and having to hold them to win the football game. It's incredible sometimes how they're unable to keep their foot on the gas. 
So again, you wonder in a one game circumstance, is Aaron Rodgers going to get a little too cocky? Is he not going to show up? Odds are he will, but we've seen games already this year where he hasn't. You talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where who was this guy? There's been too many in his career. Sometimes who was this guy moments? He's unfortunately had poor defenses at the worst times in playoff games, which has resulted in losses. But sometimes you get the feeling when you take a step back watching the National Football League and think, are we really going to end up in the next decade walking away from football and seeing Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers only win one Super Bowl apiece? Is that really what we're going to end up with? Sometimes that hits you on a certain week when they both happen to play poorly and lose, and you'll think, are they just kind of stuck in a vortex where they're at with Seattle and Green Bay? Is is anything ever going to change? They'll make well, it to the playoffs. That's let's. They'll get to the cool. conference championship, maybe. Sometimes now, you think, is this it? Are they going to win another ring? It's hard. It's well, hard. F- first of all, you're making it sound like they are grouped together. They may be grouped together now. They're not grouped together as all-time greats. To me, Russell Wilson is not at the level of greatness as Aaron Rodgers in terms of the player, the accomplishments. His career hasn't been as long yet, so he's got a ways to go. But if Aaron Rodgers retires with only one, yes, absolutely, he should have more. But again, one is hard to get, isn't it? It's hard to get. He's an all-time quarterback. Russell Wilson is not an all-time quarterback. Not yet. And he may be. But if Russell Wilson only retires with one Super Bowl championship, I won't be shocked. I won't be surprised. I will be surprised if Aaron Rodgers doesn't at least get there a couple more times, certainly once, if not a couple more, and doesn't get one more. That's the NFC. That's the AFC. That's who we like this week. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now we have to recap and review and catch everybody up again on what has happened in the Big Ten. We talked about it last week when the Ohio State-Michigan game was in flux. Would it be played? What's going to happen if Ohio State doesn't play the six games that the Big Ten wants them to if they don't get into the championship game? Oh, goodness me. And we basically said they're going to bend over backward to make sure Ohio State gets whatever it needs to not only satisfy the big 10, but to satisfy the college football playoff committee and anyone that stands in its way. And of course, today the decision was made that the big 10 changed its policy. Now, some people are beside themselves that the big 10 changed its policy. Let's remember folks that the big 10's first policy was to not play this season. And then they looked around and said, Oh shit, maybe we should change that and play because everybody else is. We're last. Let's change what's going on 
and at least have a season and we'll put this policy into place. Well, for them to change this latest policy shouldn't surprise you much when this has been a trend since before the season started. But this latest change to the policy is that the teams having to play six games to be eligible for the conference championship game. We don't have to do that anymore. Ohio state, which had its game against Michigan canceled, basically eliminating the six conference games that they would need to play. It couldn't happen. There was no way it could happen. They said, well, maybe we should change that. We're going to put Ohio state into the conference championship game. They'll play Northwestern on December 19th and we'll move from there. We talked about what the ACC did with Clemson and Notre Dame and, and basically said to them, Hey, you're almost grandfathered into the ACC championship game. Take the week before off, relax. You guys play for that. The SEC is set with two teams that could be battling for the college football playoff. At least one of them in Florida, having to play Alabama The interesting thing for the Ohio state scenario, well, one of them at least is that had they played Michigan as they were scheduled to do and lost, they still would have made the big 10 championship game because they have divisions still in the big 10 this season. So that that necessarily wouldn't have mattered anyway, but to no surprise, the big 10 has said, Hey, we're doing this. Cause we know Ohio state is the only way we're going to be represented in the college football playoff. So this wasn't a surprise to me, Al, I'm sure it wasn't a surprise to college football fans, at least people following this. And here we go. They're going to get to play that one more game, but we'll still have the unanswered questions at the end of this in a couple of weeks of, will that be enough to get them into the college football playoff? <sighs> Unfortunately, much to my chagrin, six is going to get it done. They're not going to keep them out. There's too much pressure on the committee to put the four best, absolute best teams in, in terms of personnel, who you think is the best team versus who may deserve to be there. I've heard some guys say, well, you're, if you think the best team doesn't have to play three or four, yeah, it does matter if they play three or four games. You can't play two games and get in. You have to draw the line somewhere. The Big Ten is set because of the circumstances. We started late. We've had to deal with this as a – the same line is a fluid situation. Everything is fluid because of the virus. It's a fluid. When you don't know what you're doing, when you've got no plan, it's a fluid situation. And when things don't work out the way you want it, what do you do? You pivot. You pivot. Because it's a fluid situation. So they pivoted now to five games get you in. Ohio State will be in the final four with their worst case scenario, six and zero season record. Five and zero and a one game big time playoff. The question will be, what are we going to do with Ohio State? Are they automatically a four seed because they've only played six games? How can you make them a two seed with six games? You're going to put them in 
okay. But you, you cannot make them a two seed playing six games when their best win is Indiana. I don't care how good they are. They have to pay some price for not paying anything remotely resembling the full se- playing the full season that these other teams have. Clemson beats Notre Dame for argument's sake. You have two one-loss teams and Ohio State at 6-0 and playing no one. I'm sorry. I'm putting Clemson and Notre Dame ahead of Ohio State. It's only right. You've got to do what's right. Want to put them in there? Well, well, that sets up Alabama and Ohio State. So be it. Last year you said, goodness gracious, you know, Clemson and Ohio State are probably the two best teams in the country, a lot of people said. We don't believe in LSU. And when they play each other, it's going to be a championship game. What happened? Clemson kicked their ass. Fields was awful. He spit the bit under the bright lights. They weren't good enough. They didn't even compete. They got blown out. And then Clemson could have been the best team in the country. What happened to them against LSU? They had beaten like a drum by the best team in the country. Clearly the best team in the country. A dominant team that dominated everybody all year long with the best quarterback and a team that had as good a year as any college football team has ever had. If you look at the numbers of who they played, how they played, when they played, where they played, who they beat, and who they had to beat once they got to that Final Four, that's as great a season as any NCAA college football team has ever had clearly in my life. They're not the best team I've ever seen. That still goes to the 72 USC team. But they were damn close. And they certainly had as great a year as any team I've ever seen. They were phenomenal. As was their quarterback, as was their running backs, as were their wide receivers, as were their defenders, as were their special teams, as was their coach. They had a perfect season. They had a season to remember a season for the ages. It's rare when you can say that. Now we have an asterisk by the world, which we talked about time and time again. So what do we do with Ohio State? If you're going to put them in, I'm sorry. If it sets up Alabama and Ohio State, two undefeateds, okay? Then I've got an undefeated Alabama team and an SEC champ, and I've got an undefeated Ohio State team with a huge asterisk because this house team has won six games. So as a result, since you haven't even played a full schedule, you get the four seed. That's how I justify putting you in. And that's the penalty. You have to pay some price. Right. For not playing a full season. Here's the interesting scenarios that I can at least think of for Ohio state haters and dislikers or just purists of the college football playoff. I I think best case scenario for the keep Ohio state out folks is obviously Clemson beating Notre Dame. And even we'll even say it's a close game because people think that'll matter. It's a close game. Notre Dame loses a close one. And somehow, some way Florida finds a way to beat Alabama. There's your four teams. No questions asked. Ohio State's not joining the party. You end up going to somewhat worst-case scenarios. Say you're Clemson and you lose to Notre Dame again in a close one, we'll say. You'd have to say you're out, right? You're out. You're out. You're out. 
I'm sorry, two 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 losses, you're out. You would need a lot to happen. You're out. Where Florida loses to Alabama, they have two losses, so they're not going to overtake you necessarily. You would basically need Notre Dame to be guaranteed the number two seed, so you could argue that you lost to the second best team in the country. But you're so begging you're, so you're, to get. So you're going to be point. in over Ohio State with two losses, and you're going to be in. You're not conference champ now. Remember that, right? You didn't win that. So what? What's your argument for getting in over a And M? You have to beg at that point. You're asking, and now that Texas A and M's not this weekend, you're in a lot of trouble. Now. The big, totally and complete wild card in all of this is that in the SEC title game, we are not just going to have the battle for the SEC title. We are going to have the battle for the highest. Because we're going to have the two quarterbacks from Alabama and from Florida, unlikely Heisman candidates to say the least in a season when pretty much everyone in preseason had already given it to Trevor Lawrence. And lo and behold, look who the top contenders are. That's the battle for the, not just the SEC title, it's the battle for the Heisman. I think now, that winner, game the decides it. The game doesn't necessarily win the Heisman. Yeah, you're right. But I think that, well, at least for me, because I haven't watched them play full games, obviously. You're not watching an Alabama game when they're winning by 60. You got better things to do. Same with Florida for some games. And on the highlights, you're only seeing the good stuff, the touchdowns. You're not seeing the three and outs if they come. I think that game will be the gauge for a lot of people, at least average college football fans, not the people voting on the sport, at least hopefully not, not the people voting for the Heisman. Hopefully they've seen more than we have, but I think for the common fan, that'll decide the Heisman who wins or if it's close, who played better. That's going to be the game. And yep. they should start building that up now for the excitement factor. Put out the promos, put out the trailers. That's the game of the year. Get on it. Get this Ohio State shit out of the news and start focusing on that. That's exactly. the best thing you could do. Exactly. Because it's rare when we get a chance to see it. It's it's one thing when they're going to play during the regular season. Right. It's another thing when they're going to play for the SEC title game. Look, if Florida wins, they're in. Yeah. You can't deny them the Final Four if they, if they win. So, winner go is the SEC champ. Winner goes to the final four and you know, guy who plays better wins the Heisman. In my mind, it's that simple. Right. And for how crazy this year has been, you couldn't draw this up any better in a normal season. Nonetheless, this year, this is it for the SEC and for college football. They have to be thrilled. Yep. And they can't promote this enough. I'm looking to get forward Ohio to that State game. Out. I'm really looking forward to that game. So I want to see those quarterbacks go head to head. Well, as goes with those games, with this show, with everything, we hope we get there, Al. Fingers crossed we get there. We're able to see it. We're able to keep doing these shows and talking about sports. It's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely positively, folks. For my partner, the great John Tinyland, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Have a great and safe sports week, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.